Welcome to The Other Storyteller, the podcast sparking conversation in the arts and media world. I'm Maria, a filmmaker, entrepreneur, and curious artist from Colombia, living in the UK and Canada. The world is full of stories of cultures, places, and people, and I want to meet the most inspiring artists and storytellers from across cultures to uncover the stories that become art. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a very, very exciting guest, and I have to say the truth Obviously, I'm very excited for all of you to meet her, but for myself also to have a conversation with her is incredibly inspiring. Uh, Soman Kondola is a filmmaker, a producer, a director, also a mindfulness coach and the creator of the Mindfulness Deck. So please give a very warm welcome to Soman. And um, yes, we're going to be talking a little bit about her film, uh, the identity of wellness, and a little bit about the mindfulness journey that she has been in. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I am very, very excited to have you here today. So what have you been up to these days? Uh, right now, I feel like we, like uh, the production company self-hired, we're in full-fledged like go mode. I have a shoot every day for like probably 14 days in a row and then I have a few days off and then just right back at it. But I really, really do love that and that it, the it's moments like this where I feel like I have to lean on my mindful habits more than ever because you don't always have the space to like create the mindfulness. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think that that is um, a bit of a struggle because it almost sounds like mindfulness is that that takes you out of those spaces and out of that go, go, go. But in reality, creating those habits of mindfulness a lot of the time has to, has to happen in your free time on that time that you're feeling okay and that you don't need it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you can create those good habits. So when you're actually on that go, go, go mode, like encountering those spaces and being able to utilize it is so much more fruitful. Yeah, I love that. There's uh, this guy, his name is Ed Milet, and he always says, he's like, when life is crazy, you're going to fall back on your habits and your rituals. And so mindfulness habits and rituals are so important to me because when you are go, 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 it's like, if, for instance, today I have a, a very crazy day. Um, but I, and I didn't have time for my workout this morning, but I did make sure I got up, I went for my walk and I got fresh air, I got sunlight, but that's because it's been such an effort to create that habit and that ritual. And like over time, it feels less effortful and more effortless. Yes, for sure. That is, I love that. It's the effortful versus effortless. I guess it's where we're trying to get to. It's like we... In a way, we're in a society where we appreciate effort, effort is uh, very commended, but we all often forget that, you know, sometimes being in that simplicity, in that flow state is so important and just being able to incorporate things as part of like our daily lives. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I wanted to, first of all, I know that you are first generation Canadian and um, I wanted to dive a little bit deep on your career or like starting as a filmmaker, how you made that decision, how did you encounter that passion and how did you approach it at first? Yeah, oh, um, well, honestly, I 
When I was younger, I always loved like performing. I always loved like creating and all these things. But as I, I was, I was born during the YouTube boom. And I remember like very early YouTube days and I was like, I want to do YouTube. And I actually did start a YouTube channel and I started doing like mindfulness chats on there and personal development chats on there. And as I continued, it was something that I was like, okay, like I, I love this, but I love the back end of this. And so I got into marketing and I actually didn't go down like the traditional, like, I want to be a filmmaker. I'm going to go to film school and, and I'm going to go into film. I don't even know if a lot of filmmakers actually follow that quote unquote traditional path. Um, but as I kind of took a left turn to marketing, that's when I recognized that like, I loved brand. And so through brand, I was able to do a lot of production work and I joined forces with my production company now, self-hired. And then mm -hmm. through there, I was able to merge the my love for mindfulness and filmmaking. That is so beautiful. And I was wondering, did you find um, your family was quite open to taking those career paths? Yeah, I'm, and I always say this, like, uh, and I say lucky in a very uh, conscious way because my mom has always my mom is very artistic and she's somebody who's just like go and live your life and she's just very supportive like when I created my first web series she was in the front row um at our launch she was at all of my other launches she's the one who's like yeah go and try YouTube do these things and I, I haven't been successful on YouTube yet you know what I mean quote-unquote successful in the sense of like um like a huge following but she's always been very encouraging to go and do it and like live a life that you love. Um, and I think that with first generation kids, it can go one of two ways, right? Maybe their parents work so hard and they're like, no, I want you to go this way. And they're trying to manipulate the way that this child's future goes versus that other parent might feel like, oh, I did all of these things. I want you to learn from my life and go and do what you actually want. And I think I got the latter. Yeah, wow, that is so inspiring. And I think that um, I'm actually always very curious because there's a lot of um, assumption I find when I say I studied film or I, I went down this path that th people often mention that um, they expect parents won't necessarily agree with. Um, but it's very interesting that our first uh, guest also had a mom that was very, very inspiring and uh, very creative that moved them into the career. And um, I just find it definitely a blessing, but also very insightful for people to start thinking about the opportunities and the encouragement that they give to their kids. Um, and I think that we are thankfully and gratefully in an era that I think a lot of parents are starting to realize that there is a lot to be done in marketing and in film right totally and i think that that right there is like there's this this is something that i haven't fully formed my thought around this but i find it challenging when the common narrative is that my parents don't support me my parents want me to be a doctor lawyer engineer and it's like yes that is a lot of people's reality right and i mm -hmm. respect and honor that reality that you're navigating but there's also this other reality where kids do have really supportive parents and you know like one of the first questions a lot of people ask me is like 
do your parents support you? And I know where it's coming from, from you. Um, but when I get asked that question, sometimes I'm like, there's almost this expectation of this conversation of my parents don't support me. So now let's talk about the immigrant struggle. And it's just like, uh, there's other stories to be told. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For sure. I think yeah. that that's for sure the case. And I think that's, um, interestingly enough, I find that a lot more would say a lot of my friends that are in marketing or business didn't find so much encouragement from their parents, um, rather than a lot of the people that I ended up going to art school with. Although, to be fair, we ended up on that path. So maybe we, maybe we are the ones that got supported. But um, I just love to like bring awareness to that thought about what do we expect our kids to do and and the fact that there's just so many opportunities to be had. Totally. And I, I think that like generationally, like there's there's this like think of us, right? Our generation <laughs> is almost like we cannot afford to not be conscious. We cannot afford to not um learn and know better and do better. <laughs> Um, just socially with the people even we want to hang out with. And then we look at the generations younger than us, they're, they're, that's not even a question for them. You know what I mean? It's like, no, like we're going to grow up and we're going to have conversations about who we are, what we want to be, and we're going to support each other and in fruitful ways, right? There's sometimes supporting each other is also saying like, yo, I don't think that's a good idea. And being mm -hmm. genuine from that place of communicating your um like why you think maybe that's not a good idea. But then there's this other generation of like, let's say, you know, our parents where it's like that 50 to 70 year olds where there's a lot of quote unquote work to be done because mm -hmm. these people have been indoctrinated into thinking this, this is success. This is how to have a good life for their whole lives. So they're unlearning a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely yeah. and I think that it's um, just part of like that identity that we are creating um, or that we expect people to have and then the identity that people end up having um, can be really different but at the same time it's you know we're in a as you say we're in a time that we cannot afford to not be conscious and we are in a time that we are exposed to so much context and so much um almost like speech um from people that have succeeded or people that have really struggled because they have not been um supported and uh, things like that so i definitely think that this is a time but one thing that i wanted to ask you um because you're a person that's super aware of wellness very in tune with that i would call it inner wisdom how did you get started in that path of um, just trying to find spirituality, awareness, um, wisdom? Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't start off easy, and I don't think that it does for a lot of people. It's like mm -hmm. when I was younger, I had no healthy coping mechanisms. I was like mm -hmm. a, I was somebody who I think that I had great people around me and I had uh, people to chat with, but I had no uh, healthy ways of coping with myself. And I had really bad depression as a kid, a really bad anxiety. And so as I got older, you know, I'd always been really interested in personal development and like 
who are we? What is life? Like, what is a shooting star? Where do we live? And like, I think that curiosity eventually led me to um, being more open-minded with the world. Um, like maybe backtrack just a little bit is like, when you're, when I was young is like the, I grew up in a home where like my dad was very Indian. Um, and when I say that it's like super like indoctrinated into the religion and into the culture versus my mom was very Canadian and mm -hmm. she was super indoctrinated into that culture. Um, and so when I would explore, like, let's say my adopted religion that I was born into, it didn't resonate deeply with me. And so it's mm -hmm. like, you, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you don't always think like, what is spirituality? What is God? You think it's this thing. And I think when you start to ask more questions, that's when you start to, what is God for me? What is spirituality for me? Because it could be very different for you. And I think that's a beautiful thing of the mosaic of life. Um, so, okay. So back to like a timeline, um, Honestly, I, I don't even know. Like, I think I was in, you know what? I, I always say this. I, I went to school in University of Victoria and I, when I was here before I had left, I left at 20, I was very like materialistic. Like I was very material, very 3D, very like, what do I have? What do, what do I look like? How do I present? And then I went to this island where no one cared about that kind of stuff. Everyone just cared about going to the beach, being with the water, being in the forest. And you get so endorphinly high off of just like seeing an epic sunset that you're like, I don't really, like I always say, like I left a juicy couture whore and I came back a tree hucker because that's literally yeah. how it happened, you know? Um, so sure. I would say that was the beginning. That was the beginning. It was like when my environment started to offer me the opportunity to see beyond what is in front of me. Wow, that is incredible. You know, I think that there's something about... I have to say the Vancouver, the West Coast landscape that it's so incredibly beautiful that I almost feel like observing it makes us ponder what God is and what divinity and grace is. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. It's so inspiring. Um, definitely, in many ways, it became the way that I also connected with my spirituality a lot, just being in nature, being alone. Um, and what you say about the island, definitely. I think Vancouver does have um, a lot more of a materialistic undertone to it, um, if you will. But mm -hmm. um, definitely the island has um, that interesting take. And it's really beautiful that in a way you were able to abstract your yourself from the society you were in and the community we were in and like you were able to find this other side of yourself um in another place on your own yeah and that, and just that like that idea of observing nature right it's like it's like you know when you're on your own for the first time and like mm -hmm. let's say old like you're getting older and you're just like okay now I have a personality and a, a brain for myself and whatever and you are observing nature and like I love this concept of like we are cyclical beings 
and mm-hmm. we are we ourselves are nature and so when you're looking at the world and you're watching the trees shed all their leaves then stay bare and then start to spring new leaves and then be in full bloom you're just like wow like that like what goes up must come down what goes uh, down must come up it's like you recognize that cyclical nature in the world so it's like you can be kinder to yourself with your own cyclical nature mm-hmm. yeah. it takes a lot of observation i would say um oh, and it's it's a it's one of those things that i think it's also like how do we how do we gain this from so many different sources this is why i love being a part of media because I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, what really did start this? And it's so funny. This is the thing that comes up for me is like, okay, yes, I was walking around in Victoria and I was looking at the world and I was like, what have I been obsessed with up until this point? But I was also watching Desperate Housewives one day, okay? And Brie on that show was dating this guy and he had told her that he wanted kids. And she's like, oh, I don't want kids anymore. Like I already have, I think she has one or two. She's like, I already have kids. I've done that. Um, but like, let's break up because if that's what you want. And he's like, no, 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 I, I, it's okay. Like I'll, I'll just be kidless. It's fine. And she looks at him and she's just like, you think us breaking up is the end of the world. Cause you can't see over the mountain, but I can, I've been over several mountains. And so it's almost like as you continue to grow, you continue to climb different mountains and you see the top, you see the pit, you see the top, you see the pit. And it's like, how can I take that into like my day-to-day life and how I approach life? That's actually incredibly, incredibly insightful to compare different housewives. I have to say, like, sometimes it's like that, um, everyday spirituality and wisdom is the one that's can hit home and can be really special for us and um i guess your film has explored incredibly that whole spirituality or like inner wisdom um really understanding your identity really understanding um your place in the world I would say. Um, Could you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to share spirituality through media? Because it's difficult, I find. Um, Not everyone's interested in it, or we might be afraid that people might pick on something that is so sacred and so special for us. Totally. I'm actually going to give you the long answer on this. So, I let's let's speed up. I'm at this point now in my life where I have meditated quite a bit. I have gained a lot of philosophical and spiritual knowledge and I've had many spiritual experiences and the pandemic hits and I'm at this point in my life now where I'm around a lot of entrepreneurs. I've been a freelancer for quite some time. I've always and I always knew that, okay, I'm going to venture off into my entrepreneurial journeys at one point. Um, But the pandemic hits and I start to feel, as I had mentioned, I've had, I had always kind of come in and out of uh, depressive episodes. And so it was kind of sinking into one. And I was just like, at this point, I'm so much smarter than to just allow this to happen. And that might not be the answer that everybody loves because I I would totally say that there is a biological deficiency if you are experiencing depression past a certain point. 
And I have so much respect for that. And I know I also deal with that. However, I believe that we are co-creators of our universe. So it's like, even if my body is, let's say, hey, shutting down and telling me that it's vibrating lower, how am I supporting it to vibe up? So I wrote this list and I was like, okay, 53 different ways that I can take care of myself. And I was just like, if I don't do all 53 of these things and I still feel depressed, then that's fine. I'll, I'll take it. You know what I mean? I'll own it. But am I doing everything in my power to put myself in a healthy space? And dude, I swear after that, I just started having all of these visions of like, what should this look like? What should this product look like? And I didn't think it was going to be, it was such a intrinsic, selfish desire for me to write this list. But then I would start seeing images of like what workout would look like or what singing in the car would look like. And so I, I created the mindfulness deck from that. I put it, I put together a card deck and I was like, you know what, maybe I can gamify my health practice. And that was the first time that I started to melt together media and mindfulness, two loves of my life. Now that journey was hard. I would, I would say like, at first it was so easy. It went from idea to like conception to reality within eight weeks. And that's what I mean. It was just like a fast rapid fire thing. Like my designer and I, we like worked so hard on it. We get it, got it printed in eight weeks. It was just such a labor of love and I loved it. But the experience of then marketing spirituality, that's what became the ethos of the film. Because marketing this spirituality made me realize like everything you had just mentioned, like, okay, where is the soul in this? Where, what is the capitalistic nature of this? Where's the color in this? Where's the diversity? And where are the different types of human beings in this industry? Because I would want to go and be like, hey, look, let's do a pop-up together. But I would notice that I'm the only person of color. I would notice that my deck was the only, like, I could tell the difference between a Filipino and a Korean and a Japanese girl. And I made sure that you can see all of that in the deck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but then navigating that, the actual market with that was, like, that's how the film came to, like, okay, how is it starting? Wow, that's, I actually never in a million years would have guessed that that was how it came to be. And I guess now that you're mentioning that, um, making this podcast and just trying to make it into something that's like my passion for film, but also talking a little bit about um, all of these kind of spirituality, inclusion, diversity. Um, it's like, quite interesting. I find that um, it's hard to make it so it's not exploitative, so it's not read as exploitative, but just as a conversation that's just trying to bring awareness, trying to unpack different things. Who does it cater to? It's really difficult to know that, you know, because at the end of the day, it's like, I guess for myself at least is I want these conversations to be out there because every single person that I'm going to interview, I admire. But at the same time, I can just hope that someone's gonna see it and it's gonna be really inspired. Um, But I guess when it comes to a product, 
also encountering what other market marketing has looked like. It's also really complicated to navigate as well. Totally. Like and uh, like I, I I love what you're saying. And what you're saying is like you're you're speaking your your intention into existence, right? You're sharing your intention for this podcast with so many people. And I think the hard thing that I had to learn was as I asked you makes me think of two things is like I'm going to use you as an example, if you don't mind, but it's like you have this intention to be like, hey, like this is this is who I'm inspired by. Let me share why I'm inspired by them. And they may also inspire you. But Mm -hmm. your intention may also even though you intended well, doesn't mean somebody Mm -hmm. else cannot be offended by it. Doesn't mean somebody else cannot receive it. And I think that that was a huge lesson for me because I was like oh but I mean so well and I I, how do I now navigate meaning well and knowing that somebody else may not receive what I'm putting down the way I want to put it down right Mm -hmm. yeah and so it's like I look at like you know I've learned to not say any brand names but in Vancouver you'll find a lot and I'm sure like in any big city you're going to find a lot of yoga spaces where um and I use yoga as an example, but it's like, you're going to find a lot of yoga spaces that are going to be fitness orientated. Mm-hmm. And so for a good 10 years, like I started yoga when I was 13, I literally started yoga at the first yoga spot that they created in Burnaby. That was like more mass market. And that like caught my attention. And I remember I would take my girlfriend there and I would just be like, Oh, you're in a hot room. Like it's going to be great for your health. Like it's going to just be good to lose weight. That's all I was thinking. But fast forward, like, you know, 11 years later, I'm just like in, a, in this really bad accident. And I'm like, my, my best friend is doing yoga teacher training. And so she's like, why don't we do uh, one-to-one yoga? And I start learning about real yoga. And I was like, I've never, how have I gone to this for 10 years? And I haven't even known what it means. I didn't even know what namaste meant. You know what I mean? I felt like a bad brown person. And I was just like, but then when you start digging under the covers, you're like, wow. But, you know, it's fascinating what you're saying in a way. Um, Let me quote unquote, uh, because people might get offended. But what you just said about, oh, am I being a a bad brown person? It's like, it's interesting how some of the things that are in our culture, we don't learn them from our culture, but from pop culture. And then we have to relearn it. But it's in a way, it's part of our um, heritage and yeah. all of that that comes like the ancestral knowledge that comes with culture. Um, I just think it's beautiful. Yeah. And I really love the way that you put that where it's like, if it's something that maybe is more inherent to us and then we have to learn, then we learn it through pop culture, then we have to unlearn it and then we relearn it. And I think this is like, this is where um, I will say that maybe my perspective is not widely adopted by so many yet is because I'm actually really grateful to be in the Western world and to have received a lot of these lessons because I still go to yoga fitness. I Mm -hmm. I like yoga fitness, but Mm -hmm. now I know why I'm going to a yoga fitness class and I know why I'm going to a traditional yoga class. Like I actually know the difference now and I know Mm -hmm. why I'm like, what am I looking for? And it's like, if, as you said, like with, when you watch the film, it's like, you recognize this is much more like a me versus me and like, 
what is this journey for myself? That's it. That's huge. Um, I think that I also definitely have done a lot of uh, fitness yoga, some yoga that was incredible. In your film, there's one part I don't want to spoil, but you kind of mentioned about how sometimes you're on the mat and you just feel like you need to cry. And I just remember I actually ended up doing yoga for the second time in my life when I started kind of getting into it. Um, I was getting through post-traumatic stress disorder. And at this point, I had not really been through therapy. And I just remember I would go to yoga class and I would fall asleep at the beginning of the class during the relaxation. And I would wake up at the end. And um, I felt really bad. And then I went to another yoga class and I talked to the, the instructor and the instructor was like, it's okay, I'm going to be with you like so you don't fall asleep. And there was something about having that interaction with that person and, and she did incredibly beautiful relaxations, um, but also, also brought like an intention every time, a storytelling um, about a different archetype of um, Hindu um, philosophy or religion. And I just remember sobbing in that mat that I was like, I don't know how to like leave this room because I can't. I'm like ugly crying. And it's it was like that entering relaxation, but I was entering relaxation to like not be there the whole time. I think I was falling asleep because I didn't want to face those emotions. But when I was able to kind of relax, but with awareness, Wow, it was so incredible. Yeah, when you were able to actually create real safety within yourself. And I, I think that like what you just highlighted, first of all, I'm so I was so happy that you had that experience. I think that's incredible. And I I just think that it, it it's a testament to be like the person who had that conversation with you. I'm so grateful for the person who encouraged them to go after doing that job because that's how they get to share their magic in the world. And it's like, that's a, that's a big point that I was creating is like, you know, you go to a doctor's office and that person, there's a level of trust. Cause you know, that that person has done so much education to do that. Right. And it's like, how do we regulate this, this arena? Because I'm coming into you. You have no idea what that person coming into your door is going through. She had no idea what you were going through, but she knew how to hold you. And I think that yes is so magical. Incredibly, it's uh, making space for someone to feel what they have to feel, to feel safe. Definitely strange, as you, as you mentioned. I was the only, yeah. I'm skin color white, um, but culturally different. Mm -hmm. I sometimes couldn't even understand the instructions that were being given in a yoga class. So if the professor was not like demonstrating the poses, I had no idea what they were talking about. Um, felt strange, definitely felt strange to not be in my culture. I didn't know if it's okay to cry, to not cry. It felt a little awkward, but just having that one person that's holding space for you. Is yeah. Maria, what is, your, what is your culture and what has your experience been like being a like a, a skin color white and then having a different culture from this like median culture that we're taught mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit complicated but um so basically i am 
I look white. <laughs> I am Colombian. Um, and just being Latin American, um, it's kind of strange because sometimes you go on surveys or whatever and they are like, oh, are you like white, black, brown, whatever? Like they have a list, but there's like no Latin and sometimes there's Latin and you just don't really know. Um, yeah. I think historically, um, probably mo mainly white. Um, we also have heritage, uh, like Jewish heritage as well. We've also probably had uh, Muslim heritage in our, because we're like, um, my family comes from Spain uh, yeah. originally. But there's, I guess for me, one of the big things that I want to uncover through film and through media is... Uh, just that mixed background and like not really knowing your historical or cultural heritage um, because, you know, colonized cultures are quite complex because a lot of the mixed uh, children are passed as white and it's really hard to know exactly where you stand. So I'm still trying to uncover a little yeah. bit of that. That's but so interesting. Yeah, yeah that I was mentioned that. that it's difficult. Um, it's a little bit difficult to understand where you are because it's not you're not really BIPOC, but you're also like you walk into a room and everyone's like, you don't speak like me. Who are you? <laughs> it's a little bit strange. Yeah. Well, I think it's beautiful that you're exploring that. And you know, the uh, one of the one of the films that I originally wanted to to tell was that I'm not this and I'm not that. And then I recognized that like it's actually not my story to tell because I'm it's not my story to tell because I don't feel it the way that you guys feel it. And at, it's something that's like been kind of like rumbling around in my brain and this is I have no personal relation to this but I just have so many friends who are halfers and I was like you know what how does the dominant race win like you know what I mean there's like yes. like I think of my half black half white friends and I feel like nine per, nine out of ten of them the black race is the dominant race out of the white and the black Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I have a lot of friends who are like my business partner. He's half white, half Chinese. And it's like he, he talks a lot about how like when he was younger, I think that his white side was much more dominant. And then as, as he's gotten older, his Asian side has been much more dominant. And it's so fascinating to me, like how. How like how even how you just were just saying about colonized cultures, colonized mm -hmm. cultures are so different now. They're not what they used to be. So yeah. it's like there's almost like we are also a part of the community that is creating the new version of this coexistence mm -hmm. in these colonized cultures because it, mm -hmm. it's just not working anymore. Yes, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I think what you're saying is really interesting. And um, I try not to talk too much because I don't really know where where I sit in the whole spectrum of race and um, I guess I am more open now to talk about it just because I, I really don't understand where I am um, but definitely think that there is things that are part of race and culture that are not visible to people for example I cannot say a short sentence my phrase syntax is so long it's 
not normal in English. And people always are like, just get to it, get to it. That's not the way we speak culturally. If you actually read 100 Years of Solitude, you realize there's no such a thing as a concise thought in Spanish language. Yeah. Uh, or at least for Colombians, it's just everything's really convoluted. But um, even in the narrative and in the storytelling and in the talking, it comes across really strongly. Mm. I love that, you know, I there's actually like my business partner, I've taught him a few Indian words and I've taught him them to him not like okay you know everyone teaches somebody words of their own culture and it's like a swear word but I've taught him words of like like there's this one word odai and that means like whatever or for for any reason or like just it's it's got so many nuances to it but it's like it's so big and it's just one word but it means so much. And I'm just like, I need you to understand this word. And there's so yeah. many other words that I've taught him where I'm just like, th these help me communicate and explain my life in ways that English just cannot support me, <laughs> you know? Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's almost like, um, I don't know how to say this, but it's like, I tried to write my film in university in English. And then it came across, like I actually shot it and everything. And then when I went to edit it, um, I have to say it just didn't fully add up because there was so much of the nuance of language that couldn't be translated yeah. that um, the words left unsaid through the words you chose just couldn't come across in English and I am laughing yeah. about it now but it's actually like I put my heart what a into cool it lesson. and then I just couldn't yeah what a cool lesson like you know what that makes me think of have you ever watched Jane the Virgin have not no okay Jane the Virgin is such a uh, Gina Rodriguez is like an incredible human being um but it's an intergenerational story of three Latina women. And so it, the story kind of follows Gina as she explores her own sexuality, right? And from a young age, her grandma told her like, uh, sex is bad. And so it's like uncovering these like dichotomies of like, is sex bad? Why have I learned this, right? But then her mom had her as an unwed teenager. So it's mm -hmm. like, there's you, you see all these like polar opposites, but in there, they have these moments where they're sitting and they're talking with the grandma and it's all in Spanish. Yeah. And it adds a layer of so much truth and so much reality and so much emotion because that's life. Like, even though, like, for instance, in my home, <clears throat> like with my mom, she doesn't speak Punjabi to me, like as like conversational language. Mm -hmm. However, it's those moments of like where there is that dialogue that ethnic dialogue that just it's it's so different and you can't know it unless you know it definitely i think that yeah. that's where a lot of the seasoning of life comes in right yes. it's, um just conversation is not just the words put on a table you know or like or on a paper it's just all of those other things that happen in between okay yeah. so i am getting a little bit conscious of the time yeah. But I did want to ask you three questions. Quick questions. Okay. Don't overthink it. They're a little bit strange. Okay. So, <laughs> the first one is, 
what advice would you give your young self to navigate the media world with purpose? Mm. <sighs> Focus less on what you look like and more on what you have to say. Well, that wasted years of my life right there. <laughs> Same. So I need that advice. Yeah. I need that advice right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, now another one. This one is the more weird one. So if for a whole month you had to choose films to watch from only one country, just for this month, where would it be from and why? Hmm. Maybe this is because we were just talking about this, but I also do have a super affinity with Spain. And the reason, I know it's a short question, but the reason I would do it is because when I was in Madrid versus Barcelona, I felt like the way that the community danced and the way that they showed up to the club or the way that they showed up on the street was so different. And I would yeah. just love to like sink into understanding them and how they understand life. Yeah, definitely. You know what? I actually have to say that would be my choice right now. And I've actually done it. I've done like the yeah. whole watching all the shows, all the movies, and I'm really fascinated by it. Actually, like some of the stuff that's getting put out from there, it's amazing. Did you watch Platform? No. Okay, I will you watch gotta it, watch though. it. It's actually, I think it's really good. I feel like it's a, a little bit of um something that's been around for a bit like that uh topic but just there's something about it being in spanish that just like hits yeah. <laughs> okay Watch okay it. i can write that down it's very very good okay and then now one art piece can be film music uh painting anything that you feel like everyone should go and see right now other than your film that everyone does have to see I feel mm -hmm. like I'm going to leave a link and I'm, I'm going to tell people to use a VPN to use it, to watch it. But uh, let me think what's yours. OK. Uh, OK, I actually just I don't know if this is something I think everyone should watch, though. You know what? I'm going to say everyone should either read or watch The Giver and I have written this forever and ever and ever, but it's like, it, it's a book that you could probably read in two hours, like at this level. But The Giver is one of those books that makes you appreciate every sense of life that you have around you in such a subtle way. Um, so that's what I would say. The Giver, I have not read or watched. Dude, read it. Don't watch it. Taylor Swift's in okay. it. I love Taylor Swift, but I, I think the book is way better. Okay, we'll do. Yeah. Definitely, we'll do. And I also want to say that if you guys are not following Summon, you have to, because she gives the best book advice in the world. I was, like, looking at your list, and I was like, half of these have, like, read. Half of them are in my wish list right now. Currently, I'm like, I just need They're really good. Oh, thank you. I, I honestly, this is something that I love about world, the world and technology and everything. Like, I love this, like, 
just this adjustment to audio and without audible, like I would not have been able to read as much as I do. And yeah. so I'm very grateful for that. And there's so many incredible books. So you can totally find my book recommendations on Instagram. Definitely. You know what? I have to say I'm an audible addict, <laughs> like really badly. Like I just realized that there's a bunch of books that you can like <laughs> go out for free because I'm like, I'm paying my subscription plus buying other three books every month. I'm like, yeah oh my god I do the same all the time and then when I get down to the one credit and I'm like oh my god what do I do <laughs> and it's so hard to choose right yeah um, so definitely audible you guys it's really good yeah. so I want to hear if you have any last closing thoughts remarks or things that you wanted to talk about yeah I think I just want to share like if if the audience to the audience like if you guys are at a place right now where maybe you are thinking about wellness where you've been seeped in the teachings of wellness I truly do invite you to watch the film uh the film explores the colonization and capitalization of the wellness industry and the impact that that has on BIPOC people and individuals I would say that I am not even remotely the same person going into those conversations that I am coming out and I I I just really hope that it's an easy, light way for people to explore these thoughts and topics with themselves. That I support 100%. I was saying yesterday uh, to my partner that I was like, you have to watch this. You have to watch this. It's wow. like incredibly powerful. Um, some of the lines were, and just like the insights, you know, um, I have to say, I have think. to share. I think towards the end of the film, um, I forgot her name, but the fighter. Oh, um, yeah, Furnace. Yes. So she comes on and she says, you know what? You have to punch. Like, you can punch harder if you want. You're a Ferrari and you can go to 12th gear if you want to. Damn. Damn. Like, you know what? Those are the things some people have to like listen to no matter where they are at in their journey, because you sometimes forget that there's another level that you can unlock. So thank you so, so much for making that film. I will rewatch for sure. And um, I am also going to leave a link for the CBC um, mm -hmm. page that people can watch it in. It's available for Canada. So if you're not in Canada, take a look. With I'm working hard. Yes, I'm also working super hard to get it available outside of Canada. Yeah, that would be yeah. great because it's honestly, it's uh, absolutely incredible. And also, thank you so much for coming here, for being so open, for also opening space for myself to talk about some things that I need to unpack and for um, making it comfortable because it's a little bit difficult for me to um, explore that as well. Of course, that's a huge, that's a lifelong journey. And I'm just proud of you for, I'm proud of you for honoring it and for like, just looking at it and being like, okay, what am I going to do with this? You know? And thank you so much for having me here. This was like, I came into this day, like, oh my God, I have so much to do. And now I just feel so happy. <laughs> Jill. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, I posted on my stories this morning. I was like, so it's going to be the best day and I actually have finals this week and I don't care. 
because <laughs> I am so excited for this conversation. So thank oh. you so much for blessing us with your presence today here. And um, I really hope that we can have a conversation again here on the podcast and outside of the podcast. Yes, me too. Thank you. Thank you so much.